The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You're lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to uh, Hour 2 of today's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. We have joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics our uh, roundtable regulars on the left, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome back. Always good to be here. On the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back to you Hi. as well. Thank you, Tom. And uh, they are joined by East Village Magazine consulting editor Jan Worth Nelson. Jan, welcome back. Thanks for being with us this week. Thank you. It's a pleasure as usual. Um, already trailing Democratic nominee uh, Joe Biden in the polls in Michigan, President Donald Trump's revelation Friday that he and his wife tested positive cor- for coronavirus appeared to deal another blow to his chances of winning this battleground state. On Friday afternoon, as the president was being moved as a precautionary measure to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center outside Washington, the Trump campaign said it was postponing or moving events involving the president online for now, robbing it of perhaps its most vital asset, Trump's vivid, often combative, onstage persona. And while there were no scheduled events in Michigan as yet, there were expected to be more. The loss of any days before the November 3rd election reduces the likelihood of Trump making up ground in Michigan and other states he needs to win, however. Um, Are Americans deciding this uh, presidential election by, quote, mask or no mask, like paper or plastic? Good question. No, I, I, yeah, that may be a factor, but I, I think that uh, this this year more than ever, the, I think an awful lot of the votes have been baked in for a long time. I mean, I what what, what amazes me is that, in spite of the impeachment, the the racial divisions, the economic collapse, the pandemic, and all of that, Trump has been around forty two percent for the last almost the last three years roughly especially the last year and it jiggles up or jiggles down a little bit but frankly it's been in the same ballpark and hasn't moved much at all in spite of all the events and uh, here, here's something that's unique that's evolving before eyes and uh, we may pick it apart uh, 
collectively or we may pick it apart individually. But white supremacists and black men are joining the Trump campaign. That, that, isn't that that's so, you know, that is likely to uh, be a prescription to something. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah. Talk about bringing us together yeah. in a bizarre kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure what to make of that, Henry. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I mean, that's just... like oil and water. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, but for the president, <laughs> you know, that's kind of interesting. See how that's going to work out. Go ahead, Jim. Are, are there any numbers to support that, Henry? <laughs> uh, only the ones that have uh, arisen on the Internet. And, uh, and they're still uh, rising. Uh, but yeah, as soon as I have them, I'll, yeah. <laughs> there, there was one call, Henry. There was, you're, you're right up to a point. I mean, I think, I think the last time uh, Trump got around 8% of the African-American vote, and I, there was one recent poll showing it may have been currently up to maybe 10%, maybe a little higher than that at the moment at least. I mean, that's, that's you know, a 20% rise, I suppose. But whether it holds on until till November 3rd remains to be seen. Yeah. Uh, but, but, I mean, but, but you're exactly the, right. I mean, the... The fact that he's got any support at all surprises me. Uh, well, and, but that's a good omen for the country. It is uh, because those two need to work things out. We can't live the way that we're, we're living now. We've got to come to some kind of resolution. That's a, it's and, a good omen for that black men are getting together with white supremacists? <laughs> well, that, that, no, that's what's happening. They don't, yeah, I, they're not intending to do this, but this is what is emerging on the Trump platform. So we can't control that. But it, we've got to figure out what's good about it and uh, how do we take advantage of that and how do they come together and work things out so that the there, country still survives as a free and democratic. There's something rattling around in my brain about, about mm-hmm. what has been referred to in some places as toxic masculinity. Um, oh. There's kind of weird you know, weird distortion of masculinity that has come into play in these, you know, these latter stages of the campaign, they're very perplexing and, and worrisome to me. Like, the fact that, you know, like, uh, I thought Biden was, he, you know, he has a temper, too, and he kind of lost it the other day. Well, he didn't lose it. He made a great point where he was saying, you know, what's with this macho thing about the mass? You know, what's... What's the deal about this has become this macho thing? It doesn't hurt you. This is a matter of patriotism, he was saying. He was sort of yelling. Um, and, I, I mean, I feel that way about when you say that black men are getting together with white supremacists. What the hell is going on with the view of masculinity that would create that? that I, I don't think that it has I, to do with the idea of men. But I think it because black men have been targets. Of, uh, they have, yeah. Of death. Yeah, they haven't, uh, and we know that, and it's shown every day, and we cannot deny it. And it's oh. been done by white supremacists, or whatever, <clears throat> and uh, by even people who have good judgment. They have been silent, and they let this happen. Uh, there's a story behind this. But I don't know what the story is, and the, I apologize for saying men. The problem, uh, the problem with you know, white supremacy, that, Henry, is that you know one theory about Trump's support in 16 and even in the following years 
is that some of the folks who voted for him just were, you know, they were mad as hell at the system. And here yeah. you've got this kind of outsider who just who's what, what Michael Moore called a Molotov cocktail in the White House. And, you know, just if you're angry at the system and Trump is angry at the system, maybe that pulls in a few of those kind of voters as well. If there's, if there's any rational or logical explanation for it, maybe that's part of it. And I think that's but part of it. But the discussion is good. The cross-contamination of ideas would be good. Because we can't continue the way we are, exterminating people based on race. Yeah, the problem, the problem that, that I have with turning the conversation to um, this, this machismo that, you know, the president always wants to be seen as tough mm-hmm. and, and, you know, he, uh, the idea of wearing a mask is um, somehow girly in some way. Um, it, 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 the problem is, is, as it relates to white supremacy, I, I'm not sure that we're paying enough attention to the fact that, that it isn't white police officers or, um, or, or white men that, that think they're more or that they should, you know, be considered to have supremacy. Right. It's that they think there are people who are less. Uh. And I think we need to spend more time thinking about this idea of how much we value other people. <laughs> Nicely stated, Tom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, just... But, but, Jan, I apologize for mentioning men here as a macho thing. That's not my intent. But my intent remember the old, was... <clears throat> remember, remember the old Bob Dylan song, A Pawn in Their Game, that goes back to the Civil Rights days, talking about how really the white elites of the South used the poor whites as a pawn against African Americans. And I think yeah, there's some I, element there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Just to be uh, clear, everybody Henry, you pretty mean, much... You, what you were asking for is, I think your phrase was cross-contamination of ideas. You yeah, would, yeah. wouldn't hurt for these groups to talk to each other. Is that what you were getting at? That's what I'm saying. Uh, in the interest of the country, in the interest of a democracy... Can you talk to white supremacists? And, and with hope that I, Republicans I probably, are... I probably do every day. I come into contact with them every day. Yeah, that's right, because... Yeah, yeah. So many of contact. them are... They're everywhere. Many of them are Trump Republicans, which is... Yeah, they could be. But see, I don't see any problem in it. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with them, because I'm not intimidated by them, and they don't do things to intimidate me. And and on the other hand, and on the other hand, Henry, I don't think you do things to intimidate them. Thank you. Yeah. I hope not. Yeah. I mean. Well, let's move on. The White House has declined offers from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to help investigate the outbreak surrounding President Donald Trump's COVID-19 diagnosis, according to a federal health official. The offer by the CDC to engage with such efforts as running contact tracing occurred almost immediately after the president's uh, after he made public that he had contracted coronavirus. Despite the concerns expressed by those at the CDC, including agency director Dr. Robert Redfield, officials at the White House turned down the CDC's offer to help. Wouldn't it be prudent to know exactly when and how the president was infected? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, to say the least. (laughs) 
yeah, yes, it's, that uh, would be. It's, again, all of this anti-science stuff we've been seeing so much of lately, but and it, and yeah. What the heck is the problem? You know, are they trying to hide the fact that he may have been infectious during the debate? I mean, what what the heck is the problem here? Why, you know, ah, it drives me crazy. Well, tell me what you're thinking, Jan, because there's a story behind what you just said. I mean, and we why, all need to know. Why? Why would we not know? Why could we not know the last day that Trump was negative? What? What? Why can we not know that? That's what I don't. Nobody know. ever asked. I don't think. Well, we I mean, know there's no evidence. Well, yeah. asked, it, again, was, was he was was he infectious at the debate, especially? Uh, or at the uh, the swear the uh, kickoff ceremony for the Supreme Court justice. And if that's true, the guys. If that's true, he's out of danger. Fourteen days. Well, and danger. and the other thing too is, um, no. we know the last day that he tested negative, or we have an approximate last day he tested negative. It was the day before he tested positive. But <laughs> but yeah, what, true. what, yeah. what um. What I what I wonder is the incubation period, and can we track that back so many yeah. days? And where was he, and who was he in contact with? And it seems like yeah. we should know that. It, it seems like the the White House and the people around the president would want to know that, and and could use that information in planning how they they interact. Treat them, yeah, right? How they well, treat them. I mean, I mean, the White House has become kind of a hot spot. I think, what do we have, six of the Joint Chiefs of Staff who are now uh, in quarantine, uh, among, among 18 or 20 others who work in or around the White House who have been confirmed so far as, as, as being infected. I, I just, this is so this is This isn't a laughing, this is not a joke. You know, this isn't, this isn't like um, a circus. This isn't a reality show. This is... This is about the Joint Chiefs of Staff, for God's sake. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I, why, they're playing games somehow. And if he's if he's being protective of the information to somehow protect his reelection, I don't hardly think this is the right way to go about it. Yeah, we didn't really. waste any time trying to find out who Patient Zero was when this all began. I think it was President Trump. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> maybe yeah. in the, maybe in the White House outbreak, but uh, yeah, I mean it's beginning it, it, to look to China. Yeah, uh, but but Dan, you raise an interesting question. Now I'm thinking, when we all agree on this for the same thing, then nobody's thinking. But you know what you just said? I believe that President Trump may be out of the incubation period. I never thought about that. Well, how would we know that, Henry? How can we know but that? But I, I don't know. But you raised the question. That's, that's, that's why... Uh, another question for me. That's why I think it's, it's prudent that we, uh, th- that we have some idea of, of when it happened. But on that note, we need to take a, uh, a short <laughs> break. But we are going to go uh, to that U.S. Supreme Court announcement event when we return. Um, If you're listening to us on 92.1 FM, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well, and we will return. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsodent flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. The Tom Sumner Program.com Hello, 
this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues now on the Tom Sumner Program with Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter on the left and right, respectively, joined by um, East Village Magazine consulting editor Jan Worth Nelson, which is a new title for Jan. And uh, I, I've been making a real point to get the right title because uh, I'm, I'm so used to calling her the East Village Magazine editor. And uh, Jan, did you want to explain a little bit how you uh, went from being just an editor to a consulting editor? Yeah, uh, I just I wanted people to know because it's sort of uh, public, uh, publicly, or uh, it's official now that I've stepped down as editor of East Village Magazine after six years, and <clears throat> uh, I think it's time to pass the torch to others. And um, uh, the board, uh, which is led incidentally by uh, Paul Rosicki. <laughs> Um, has chosen or has decided to um, um, uh, approve uh, Tom Travis as our managing editor. He's taking on, taking over from me, and we're calling him managing editor because he's really taken over. You know, all the bus- many of the business details that I had wearied of, um, and uh, he's uh, you know he's a he's a fine community journalist, and he's going to be uh, carrying forward with the magazine into its forty fifth year this year. So. Um, I just I just feel like it's time for me to uh, back off a little bit and do get back to more of my creative work. But um, uh, Ted Nelson, my husband, and I have both agreed to stay on as consulting editors. Uh, Ted will probably continue doing the layout and stuff that he's been doing, but um, we're going to be much less involved in the day-to-day operations, still with a vigorous support of community journalism, which this which this community really needs, and I'll probably be writing some stuff from time to time. So, Just just one quick question, Jan. Um, Tom has done some tremendous writing for East Village Magazine. Um, will his uh, management responsibilities cut into uh, some of his reporting, I fear? That's always the navigation that people at East Village Magazine have to do because, as you know, there's, we don't have any full-time positions uh, everybody does a little of everything, and that's partly what gets to you. So we're going to try to figure out how to um, protect that. Um, he he's very good at the business side of it, but I think um, he's part of the job that he's going to do. And Paul may want to weigh in on this too as our board president. Is we're hoping yeah. that we could get to the point where we could have a business manager. And if you want to support community journalism and keep coming, um, you can always make a donation to our democracy project and. Um, help to build up our finances so that, you know, uh, one person doesn't get stuck with all of it. But, um, yeah, it's always a risk, and uh, that's one of the things that's really challenging about, uh, you know, community journalism that's not a corporate entity is we really rely on really grassroots community support to keep us going. So, um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good I would, I would just like, I'd like to second everything Janice said, and just on top of that, uh, comment on how remarkable, wonderful a job she's done for the last six years and bringing the magazine to where it is today. She's just <clears throat> pulled together so many, so many loose ends that had had been there before and done a remarkable job and deserves all the credit uh, uh, for, for 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 making it what it is today. Uh, thank you, Paul. Yeah. Well, I love uh, you, in and I hope I hope that uh, we can find a way to broaden the participation. And uh, keep it going. I I have great confidence in Tom. He's a great guy and a really skillful, yeah. devoted community journalist too. 
Uh, congratulations, Jan. Uh, that was a nice uh, segment of news that I got, and I'm so proud of you. You've always done a good job. You've been fair in your editing and and the way you write things, even though you lean a strongly Democrat, but uh, a great person. And, and that's okay. We need those kind of people just to well, make... Uh, in partly, that's, my, my feeling is that I the requirements to be completely objective are maybe not where I'm at right now. Um, and um, so I, I, uh, I think that Tom will be able to be... Um, probably more clearly objective than I have been quite recently because, as you know, my, my preferences are strong and urgent to me. So, it's Yeah. But I've enjoyed the comments from you, uh, even though you ta- attack the President of the United States, you attack <laughs> policies that, uh, that are uh, favorable to uh, Republicans, and that's good because that helps to keep our nation stable uh, when you can do it in such a way that there's some indication of balance in your views. But many people don't do that. They don't know how to do it. They don't want to do it. But, Jan, you do a good job. Oh, thank you. Well, I just just want to comment that that Jan is always welcome to continue uh, her frequent appearances uh, with us joining the roundtable. But I've also extended the invitation to Tom, uh, Tom Travis uh, at East Village Magazine as its new managing editor to uh, join us from time to time. He hasn't responded. I suspect he's probably a little bit frightened by Henry. <laughs> I'm actually well, kidding about that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually uh, teasing about that. But uh, I want to pick up on something we started talking about toward the end of the last segment, and that had to do with the uh, announcement of uh, President's nominee for the U.S. Supreme Court, Judge Amy Coney Barrett. That event has been uh, identified as a possible super spreader because so many of the attendees have tested positive with COVID-19. And it brought up an interesting story that I didn't realize, and it's kind of surprising with all the coverage that uh, Amy Coney Barrett has been getting. Um, She was diagnosed with coronavirus late this past summer, but has recovered. Uh, According to three sources familiar with the matter, Barrett and her husband Jesse were diagnosed. Jesse Barrett was uh, asymptomatic, but Barrett felt a little under the weather but recovered, one of the sources said. After the news early uh, Friday that President Donald Trump and First Lady uh, Melania Trump had contracted uh, coronavirus, Barrett tested negative for coronavirus on Friday, according to White House uh, spokesman Judd Deere. If the White House announcement ceremony for Judge Barrett's nomination was, in fact, the event where the president and many others contracted COVID-19, does Barrett's negative test hint that having had the disease has left immunity in its wake? It suggests that, but again, the science is unclear from what everything I've read. That maybe some people will will genuinely gain immunity, but others, at least from the little bit I've read in the science of it, there are some examples where people have apparently been infected a second time. So I I don't know what the scientific answer is, but it suggests that maybe she's got some protection for the moment, at at least. Uh, And it's interesting, if that did occur, uh, there 
they're available antigens. Antigens. Ah, uh, so that's kind of interesting. This this whole evolution of well, discussion well, brings about question. Well, one of the things yeah, fact, that I've it, go ahead, Paul. I was going to say, isn't one of the treatments that they're they're they're, they're experimenting with is to use the uh, the blood of the plasma of those who have been infected and recovered yeah. as yeah. the treatment for those who are are currently infected? So, yeah, uh, that's the antidote. And, 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 and how well that works, I really don't know, but I know it's been one of the the major treatments mentioned in a lot of the news coverage. <clears throat> and, and you know, uh, it, another interesting thing, Dan, that the diagnosis, uh, as I read for the president, uh, the uh, treatment had dichloroquine, chloroquine. I think uh, I, there's another uh, piece that goes on to that title name. And that was the same um, disease that the elected official in Detroit, uh, the black lady, I can't call her name. I hate to divide things up because I get so much support from Democrats. And I don't want to get into this black Are you, are you talking about hydrochloroquine? That. Yeah, hydrochloric. Um, I think the president was 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 using that. If you go back and study, um, yeah, that was that that was one of those things you know that might have been a throwaway comment by the president. Yeah, I'm taking hydrochloroquine all the time when he was promoting that it was. that it was a good thing for the treatment of COVID. But he got some, some very special uh, special treatment while he was at Walter Reed and uh, was given some things that um, have only been uh, approved for... Yeah, for compassionate treatment, they yeah. call it. Um, yeah. And, and all, all I could think of was, especially with uh, the Supreme Court uh, coming up November 10th, looking at... Uh, the Affordable Care Act, all I could think of was it's a good thing he's got health care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hope he's got good insurance. <laughs> For pre-existing <laughs> Well, President Trump has ordered his negotiators to halt talks over a new stimulus package after the two sides have struggled for months to reach a deal. Trump weighed in shortly after a private conference call with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, House GOP Leader Kevin McCarthy, and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin, the administration's top negotiator who was scheduled to speak Tuesday with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who has been leading the Democrats' negotiations. The decision to pull the plug on the talks is a major blow to Americans still struggling with the fallout from the once-in-a-century pandemic and endangers an economic recovery that for months was driven by the initial $2.2 trillion stimulus passed by Congress in the spring. With that money largely spent and gone, economists have warned more support is imperative in the months ahead. Is the president trying to trade stimulus money for votes no, I I don't know. I think the president. There are a couple things that are that are critical here. Is that we can't drain the treasury, guys. We've become like every other poor, undeveloped country. We have to look at maintain strength in uh, the treasury and in our nation, where we are one of the top industrialized inputs. And so nobody else is thinking about. 
for whatever uh, politics is. You take money out of the treasury and feed people who need to be fed or that money. And, and that's a good idea for those who need the money. And I think that we need to have a discussion and sort all of this stuff out. You can't give a stimulus to everybody. You have to, you but have but to if they need to have out. a discussion, but, why halt the discussions? I, 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 I was going to say, yeah. I think Trump's reversal wow. on that issue was, was really one an attempt to to align himself with whatever votes he might be able to pick up. I mean, when well, he first announced I, he was cutting off the negotiations, that struck but me why don't we talk about as political suicide. Why don't we talk about the good that a stimulus would do for the people and not about the votes yet? Use the oh, vote yeah, as a secondary, a secondary a platform. Well, let's talk about first, is it good for the American people? And how do we go about it rationally so that we don't drain yeah. our treasury? Yeah. But that's what's but supposed to come out of negotiations. How, how can we get those answers if the negotiations stop? That's, that's the, well, the real concern here. But we have systems in government that move that stuff forward to a central platform. And uh, we need to let that happen. And then well, we, he, he did reverse course on that after he heard from the Federal Reserve chief and said he would sign some kind of a bill. It's, I believe, believe, at least the last I heard this morning, that he's reversed his, his Trump has reversed his yeah. position on that already. Even the, at some even level. the president can sense if he made a mistake, he can reverse well, yes, it. I, I think it was the Federal Reserve chief who, and the stock market reaction that may have caused yeah. all that. Uh, yeah, but, uh, again, not, whether I it's don't change any votes, I don't know. At this point, I, I, it looks so, so so transparent. I'm not so sure it'll change a lot of votes. I, 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 I'm not against uh, what you're saying, Paul, or uh, yeah. Tom, or yeah. anybody else thinks, but I'm saying do it pragmatically. Don't just throw politics out there and hope that we'll find well, it. In fact, you make a good point, Henry. I think the, the real fact was, I mean, so much of this stuff was done by Twitter, Without any kind of forethought, I mean, on one hand, he was yeah. he cut off negotiations, then a few hours later, he switches gears on that. You get the feeling that there's really not much planning either way in terms of a long-term vision of, of where what this stuff's going to achieve. It's just, you know, seat-of-the-pants kind of judgment on, on Twitter f- within the last hour. See, if the American people can't make the decision, I'll put the decision in the right place, then the country will get what it deserves. Socialism, and or anarchy, or both. But uh, but once we get there, we'll never be able to come back. <clears throat> so, guys, I, I I hope that someone can talk about this in a way that people will listen. And I don't think that any American, not even Democrats, want to go toward the socialist agenda. Yeah, I believe that. Um, and I think that we we will work this out. But this uh, stuff on race may never allow you to come back there again. So we've got some problems to work out in this country, no matter who's president. Well, Mike, Indeed. go ahead, Jan. I just want to, I've been quietly listening here. But <laughs> I just, yeah, even if Joe Biden wins, even if he wins by a landslide, uh, which, you know, who can predict? We're still going to have some major, major, major work ahead of us. Yes, yes, we are. Going to be the solution. 
Well, moving on, Mike Pence does not want plexiglass barriers around him at the vice presidential debate against Kamala Harris tonight. A top aide to the vice president told CNN yesterday, rebuffing an announcement from the Commission on Presidential Debates that the dividers would be used to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. The plexiglass dividers, which were announced by the Commission Monday night, were the latest in a string of changes made to ensure the virus is not spread at the debate as the White House deals with a growing number of infections inside the president's administration. Physical barriers like plexiglass are typically recommended when social distancing cannot be maintained. The candidates will be separated by 12 feet on stage. Masks are considered the best defense against both droplet and aerosolized transmission of the virus. Debate organizers are requiring that anyone in the hall other than the candidates and the moderator must wear a face mask, all of which came after they were advised to make changes by their medical advisors at the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, Short said the uh, Pence team doesn't have a problem if Harris would like a plexiglass shield to protect her from the virus at the debate, but the Pence team believes it's not necessary for the vice president to have plexiglass as well. Is the plexiglass a wise precaution? And uh, I, I can't help wishing that this debate had been last night so we could have talked about it today. Um, any, uh, any predictions about the debate tonight? I, I was going to say, in terms of the plexiglass issue, that goes back to yeah. Jan's comment on this whole macho stuff. I mean, under these conditions, it makes a lot of medical sense. It's not going to, whether you have one or two sheets of plexiglass, isn't going to change the debate in any significant way. But it makes medical sense. And to protest that, to say it's a matter of just showing, well, I'm tougher than the other guy. You can still see through their answers. It looks silly. You can it's still silly. you well, can still see through their answers with or without plexiglass. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, well, I don't think that uh, the vice president is a macho guy. It, it, that that's just not it. But I think what he wants to do is to reassure the American people that uh, the dangers of COVID may have been overexpressed by the social distances. The dangers of COVID may have been overexpressed. Yeah, or maybe underestimated, or maybe. But I, what he's saying, you've got this distance there. To exaggerate the distance will probably not make a difference. Uh, you know, this, this well, reminds me of... Back to the recall debate earlier in our in the in today, where we were, we were talking about instant gratification. Somehow this relates. Mm-hmm. What's going to quickly solve our anxiety about this issue? It's not going to be talking about the larger issues. It's going to be talking about whether you do this, you know, a simple thing that could make a difference, as opposed to looking at the whole picture of what's at stake here. I mean, we get we get derailed on this kind of thing constantly, it seems like. So it's like, yeah, yeah let us have the plexiglass thing, and let's move on and hear what each of them has to say. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. You know, how yeah, much time... That would have been better, Dan. That would have been better, Susan. Just go ahead yeah, without sure. a comment. Now let's yeah. talk about the issues, you know. I mean, uh, it, but but somehow the plexiglass has been interpreted, apparently. Tell me if I'm wrong on this, if I'm reading this right, Uh that if you have plexiglass, it it it, it allows. It seems like you're admitting that there's a problem, and that they can't that 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 side 
isn't willing to do it, or that on the other side, insisting on the plexiglass is a way of artificially being in their face. Um, Those are frivolous debates, and that's over. We need to get on with the debate. Let's and get on with let it. Let the plexiglass be there and drop the other. Right. You know, yeah. and if there's I no, know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. So typical, isn't it, of the way that... Yeah. And the media is totally part of this, too. So I... You know, they get they get like one thing becomes the headline of the day, and <laughs> I mean, why is it why is it that the plexiglass is an issue? It's partly because we have not had enough reliable information, frankly, from the White House side. So we don't know if Mike Pence is safe, uh, you know, or for that matter, whether the audience is care. moderator is going to be safe. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. So well. I just take it as a let it whatever will happen will happen. And Are you saying it is what it is? To, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. And we can't make well, any difference. Any yeah, thoughts actually, on? It may uh, not have been a terrible idea for either this debate or even future ones. They might have even looked at the Zoom option. That, that I, I think that might have had some some possibilities too. Right. You, you know, Henry, you said that Mike Pence doesn't present as as being particularly macho in the way that the yeah. president and and some others uh, might. Um, but but that gets back to my other question about you know how do you, how do you think he stands up against uh, Kamala Harris who has proven to be um, potentially very aggressive as uh, seen in her past deb- debate performances. But yeah, Kamala, Kamala Harris is, is uh, the nature of Donald Trump. That, Donald are we going to? Yeah, are we going to see sort of the fl- the script flip in this yeah, debate? Yeah, see that script. Uh, Donald Trump is considers himself an alpha male. Yeah. Well, guess what? Kamala Harris considers herself as an alpha female. Uh, could be. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, Pence has a he has his, his hands full. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he may. <laughs> And the world is much more uneasy, it seems to me, with an alpha female, if you want to call her that, than with an alpha male. Uh, you know, um, I think that's really kind of, it's kind of funny, actually. To, it's that's an funny. interesting point, Jan, and it's going to be um, even even more interesting, I think, to see if if as as I suspect, if she's a little tough on the vice president and and comes out the victor, we'll say. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the reaction that people have about right. her victory. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, a lot of things uh, for us yet to be learned because this is uncharted territory and we're waiting for it. Yeah, well, Hi. it's definitely uh, it's going to be definitely, I think, TV worth watching tonight uh, at uh, 9 o'clock when... Uh, Kamala Harris, the Democratic nominee for vice president, squares off against the sitting vice president, Mike Pence. Anyway, we have to take a break here, but but I'm kind of excited about this break because when we come back, it's my favorite part, the uh, the X Files. So we'll uh, 
Let our broadcast partners at WFOV 92.1 FM, our voices radio in Flint, squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. The X-Files are straight ahead. Hey, (laughs) this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Virtual playdates, social and physical distancing can help save lives. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com. Call us at at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and Start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, 
table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all-night rounds of strip poker, through their dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. It may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome back, everybody, uh, to Armchair Politics as we uh, move into our final segment, The X-Files. A Florida woman <laughs> who won $1,000 <laughs> in a second chance drawing on July 29th isn't getting her prize because the certified letters she sent to the Florida Lottery's headquarters never arrived. Sue Burgess told WFLA that officials in Tallahassee told her no ticket, no prize. The Second Chance Lottery Prize gives winners limited time to turn in a ticket to claim the prize. Their options are to either put the ticket in a drop box at a local lottery office, which were not then open to the public due to the coronavirus pandemic, or mail them to the headquarters. Burgess told the television station she felt it would be safer to send the ticket via certified mail with the U.S. Postal Service. The, tra- the tracking information shows the ticket arrived at a Tallahassee post office at 7.12 a.m., but the online tracking shows the ticket was never delivered to the lottery office. When Burgess called, lottery officials told her that without a ticket, the prize would go to an alternate winner. Uh, do you think she'll vote by mail? <laughs> I suspect not after all that. Oh, uh, you got both the question and the answer on that one. Right. right. That's not a good sign. Well, oh, jeez. Go ahead, Jan. And that pays as a president, by the way. Yeah, kind of. Um, go ahead, Jan. <laughs> what did you start to say? Florida? <laughs> well, I, I always love stories that start out well, a Florida man or Florida. a Florida woman. Um, yeah. But here's here's a really strange one. Um, I, I was just fascinated by this story. An Illinois man recently celebrated the 60th anniversary of the day he grabbed then-Vice President Richard Nixon's unfinished sandwich on September 22, 1960, when the politician was visiting his hometown um, to give a speech. Uh, he, he has kept the sandwich ever since. 
The Buffalo Barbecue Sandwich has gotten Steve Jen invited on several TV shows, including The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He even co-wrote a book about the sandwich that was published this year. <laughs> Jen, who was 14 at the time, told the Herald Review that his school let out early on the day of Nixon's uh, visit and his Boy Scout troop was enlisted to help with the event. His post was right behind the vice president at the park where he was served the sandwiches lunch before his speech. When Nixon left, so did everyone else in the park, Jen said, but he stayed behind and that's when he noticed the remains of the sandwich. Jen brought the sandwich home to his mother and asked her to preserve it so she put it in a jar and stuck it in the freezer. It stayed there until he moved out and put the sandwich in his own freezer. The sandwich remained mostly out of the public eye until <coughs> 1988 when a local newspaper story hit the wire services and went international. That led to Jen's Tonight Show appearance where he was also given a half-eaten snack from Carson and a paper plate from comedian Steve Martin. He, he later went on to receive souvenir sandwiches from a couple of other celebrities and appeared on the game show, I've Got a Secret. Jen told the newspaper he has no plans to get rid of the leftovers anytime soon. Made me wonder, do you think that somewhere there might be a leftover piece of cake from Marie Antoinette? <laughs> <laughs> we would love that. Well, wasn't there, wasn't there a candidate not too many years ago whose slogan was, where's the beef? <laughs> this guy knows where it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A that we got it. Where is yeah, I, yeah, that has to do with the, the uh, declining amounts of beef that was left uh, in a hamburger from one of the top restaurants. But, and also the rise of the bun. <laughs> the buzz became huge, <laughs> and the beef. <laughs> well, That's that, a big one. that wraps it up for today's edition of uh, Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program. And I just I want to say thanks uh, to Jan Worth Nelson for joining our roundtable as always. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. And uh, and of course our uh, roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki. Always good to be here. And Henry Hatter. Thank you. Um, and, and Jan, it was really nice to have you on the show today. I hope you forgave me for uh, uh, acting men out as a out of the population as something dominant. But they are why the show is so much fun is that you know the the different opinions and the liveliness of it is just very invigorating and and I hope useful to the listeners too. And I, yeah. I can't believe uh, how fast the time goes. And the important thing is, and, and really hats off to all of you for being able to maintain, uh, you know, my, my mission of um, being able to present differing points of view in, in a civilized and respectful way, which is how all of our discussions should be. That's right. Thank you, thank Tom. You. You're very good at that. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. Thank well, you. And thank you all. And uh, with that, we're gonna we're gonna move on to the uh, very final segment today. This is October, which means uh, a different um, odd or horrible recording each and every day. So oh, we're gonna yeah. end today's edition of the Tom Sumner program as we do every day in October with uh, our Schlocktober pick of the day, which happens to be Granny Clampett singing the blues. <laughs> <laughs> This is 
and wonder what can that thing be? Is it fish or fowl, trout or owl, vegetable or human? Well, gals and guys, I'm gonna put you wise. You're looking at a woman. <laughs> I can wash out 44 pairs of pants and have them hanging on the line. I can start your iron two dozen Levi's before you can count from one to nine. Scoop up a great big dipper full of schmaltz from the dripping can. Throw it in the skillet, go out and skin a rabbit and be back before it melts in the pan. Cause I'm a woman. W-O-M-A-N. I'll say it again. Now I can rub and scrub Jethro's boots until they're shining like a dime. Shuck the peas, shoe the fleas, and clean the outhouse at the same time. <laughs> So 4 a.m. and then lay down at 5, jump up at 6, and start all over again. Because I'm a woman. W-O-M-A-N. I'll say it again. Now, if you come to me sickly, you know I'm going to make you well. And if you come to me all hexed up, you know I'm going to break the spell. And if you're hungry, you know I'm going to fill you full of grits. And if you're dry, I'll mix your corn liquor with sauerkraut juice. Ain't that a blitz? <laughs> that kind of a drink, you won't need a rocket to get to the moon. Because <laughs> I'm a woman. W-O-M-A-N. I'll say it again. A greenback dollar bill from here to kingdom come. Ten the stills, pay my bills, and still end up with some. I got a $20 gold piece to prove what I just said. I can make a dress out of a feed bag, and I can make a man out of jail. Because I'm a woman. W-O-M-A-N. I'll say it again. Because I'm a woman. Heart out, Jaja. <laughs> Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're celebrating Schlocktober with Tom Sumner. That wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. But thanks again to our uh, roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by uh, Jan Worth Nelson from East Village Magazine today. And um, also to uh, economist Chris Douglas, who uh, brought us up to speed on what's happening with the American economy during the first hour of today's edition. Be back tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock with more Schlocktober and another edition. Good night, everybody. Show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. 
Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.